In today's show, we're talking about the New Orleans Pelicans or the New Orleans Pelicans. Is that correct? I don't know. Michael Bolton, he's correct always. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline has you covered this season more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline is where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free, and we are available on all platforms. It is time for the New Orleans Pelicans Fantasy Basketball Preview. Recording this on a Tuesday night in the States, Wednesday. So again, if moves have happened, I'm not aware of them. I'm unaware of them. Um... I've seen a flurry of like training camp deals go down in the last couple of hours here to Cody Zeller, to the Jazz, um, Micah Potter to the Jazz, Frank Jackson to the Suns. Interesting stuff. Yeah, not really, but <laughs> players who are moving around and changing teams. So who knows? But I don't think there's going to be any earth-shattering news happen with the old um, New Orleans Pelicans, but you never know. Let's talk Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl. Warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you want to enter the Pelicans division? Here's what you do. It is a 360-team league for categories. There's a 360-team league for points. It all culminates in a 60-team battle royale. 60 people enter, one survives, wins the $4,500 prize. This is $25 to enter. It is a huge, huge contest. You email lofbbowl at gmail.com. You write in the subject line, Pelicans cats or Pelicans points if you want in the category league or the points league. 80% 80% applications have been categories. So if you do want a spot somewhere, try points as well. And in the subject line, as I said, Pelicans, Cats, or Pelicans, Points, in the body of the email, put whatever you want in there. But there'll be something you do have to include in there to be a part of it, and I'll announce that later in the show. So we're filling up. I think over half of the spots are taken now in the category league format because there's been a bunch of spots go to Basketball Monster members as a priority. There's a bunch of fantasy analysts in as well. I think we've got like 190 teams in out of the 360. But we are still filling out the divisions, of course, with um, listeners and followers of mine uh, and people who watch the videos, of course. Everyone uh, jumping in to fill those, those remaining spots out. I think we might have 200, 250 spots left in the points league at this point. Anyway, that's fine. We're doing all that. So... That is it for the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl. Let's talk about the New Orleans Pelicans. How does their schedule look? Or as some people say, schedule. I hate saying schedule. Anyway, schedule. 52 quality games. It's above average by one. Bees dick. 12 back-to-backs, which is a league low, which is great. For Zion Williamson returning from a broken foot. It's great. Like if it was a Kawhi Leonard. They're the two we wanted to watch. What was happening with Kawhi? What was happening with Zion? Kawhi got dicked with the highest amount of back-to-backs. Zion got the league low back-to-backs, which is great. So that's him. Does he sit some back-to-backs? I would think he sits most back-to-backs. But not necessarily all of them. But having 12 of them only is great. 
Their playoff schedule, it's 10s right across the board. 10 games if you finish on March the 19th, 3-4-3. Three, three. Not that great. 10 games if you finish March 26th, 4-3-3. Three, three. Hmm. 10 games if you finish on April the 2nd, which is Yahoo default, 3-3-4. Three, three, As you've noticed in all these shows, I hate referring to things by week. Week 22, week 21. I, I just, no one in the NBA speaks that way. No one in fantasy basketball really speaks has spoken that way in the past. Um, and the confusion lies is when you head to the All-Star break is that some fantasy sites combine that into those two weeks into one. And then that week becomes, those two weeks become week 17. So then you run into the confusion of, am I talking about actual calendar weeks or fantasy matchup weeks? So when I say week 21 or week 22, there can be confusion. If I say the dates, there's zero confusion. And all sites, when you go to set what week you end your playoffs, it will say week whatever, 22, but it will also say the date. Focus on the date. Don't focus on the week number. And if you ask me, hey, should I finish week 22? I'm just going to tell you, I don't know what that is. Finish on this date. Because again, it just leads to too much unnecessary confusion. We've got a really easy way around that. And that is the date. Say what the date is. What are pressure points for the Pelicans? What influences their projections? Zion's the biggest thing in the whole NBA almost. It's almost the biggest thing in the entire NBA. Because we guess that he's healthy. I think he could have come back and played in the playoffs had they advanced last season. But he's missed big chunks of well, entirety of his third season, most of his first season. Pretty healthy in the second season. But there's a risk there, isn't there? And we've already talked about the back-to-back risk. If he is healthy, not only is it great for him and great for the NBA and great for the Pelicans, but there's an impact right across the board. It impacts McCullum. It impacts Valanciunas. It impacts Ingram. Impacts Jones, impacts Murphy, impacts Graham, impacts all of their players. Because he comes in, he's the number one guy. Because he was an all-NBA level talent in his second season. I know he didn't get voted in, he should have. He was that good. And him coming in changes the hierarchy of power right across the DC universe. Right, So right across the Pelicans' offensive scheme. Changes everything. And if he's not there, then things revert. So it's big question marks for not only him, but for five, six other players. The other thing that's a question mark is I don't know what CJ McCollum's going to do. He's always been the number two guy to Damian Lillard. Sometimes there's been situations where he's thought, I'm actually the number one guy and I need to take more shots than Lillard. That did happen. There was a portion, I think it was, I think it was the 2020, 2021 season, or it might have even been last year, that he was taking more shots than Lillard. And now... I think for this Pelicans team to function, he needs to be the third option. Will he do it? Will he accept a distributor role as the point guard? Or will there be push and pull between him and Ingram and Zion? I think he'll settle in. But what if he doesn't? That impacts him. It impacts Ingram. It impacts Zion. It impacts the team. It impacts the chemistry. I assume that he's going to take a sizable usage hit with a bit of an assist bump. But Zion and Ingram are also good passers and ball handlers. But it could go completely awry. And uh, we don't know that. We haven't seen these guys together. And then the other thing is, what does Willie Green look at with spacing? Because last season with Zion out, he started Jackson Hayes and Jonas Valanciunas. And while Valanciunas does occasionally shoot threes, it's so low volume. It's not that important. Hayes sort of sometimes takes threes, but not really. And there's a bunch of non-shooters on this team. Ingram, not a good shooter. Herb Jones, not a good shooter, low volume. Jose Alvarado, not a good shooter. Dyson Daniels, not a good shooter. Larry Nance, not a good shooter. If he wants to prioritize spacing, 
You need Trey Murphy in there. You probably need Devontae Graham in there. But what if he doesn't prioritize shooting? Then Murphy's just not going to play that much. Valanciunas will get more playing time. Hayes will play more. You might get a little bit more of Larry Nance in there. But we we don't like we don't know how last year he was sort of hamstrung by it, but you know, once Zion and Valanciunas are in the lineup and Herb Jones, like your spacing's in trouble. And we'll see how much he prioritizes getting that shooting in there around a Zion. And again, Ingram's not a reliable shooter at all. How do we get that? How does he prioritize getting that spacing? Because it's going to impact how things look for a number of players on this team. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all of your pro and college football action. Very, very easy. You know this. BetOnline.net. You can go check out all of the action, including matchups, news, and podcasts for all of week three across the NFL. New Orleans' own Saints. They're three-point favorites against the Carolina Panthers. The Saints with their you know, big-time Jameis Winston. Your big Jameis fans. It's going to get out there, that three-point. I think they'll win that one. 40.5 is the over-under. That's very low. But you can check all of the week three action, including college football as well. All of your live betting, esports, and scores are over at betonline.net. And it's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your other favorite sports like boxing, MMA, Major League Baseball, and golf. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet online is where the game starts. Let's do some breakout candidates. I think Trey Murphy is a big one here. Really out of the rotation for most of last season. Came on, played well in the playoffs, and I talked just then about spacing. And if they want spacing, they play Trey Murphy. He's a really good shooter. He doesn't need big usage. He can defend. He can rebound. He's got he's a 6'9 shooting guard sort of player. He can shoot a lot. Can he you know, take that step up and become... He won't start. Maybe he should, but he won't start. But he can play as a sixth man and play really good minutes. And I'd like to see that happen. Now, there's a chance that he was out of the rotation last season for big chunks of the year. I'd like to see him get a chance at breaking out. And I think he really can. Um, so he's a guy that I want to watch. And then the other one is Herbalife Jones. Yeah, you could argue he broke out last season, but it was he was a rookie. I don't... I say the, the, the title of this segment is Breakout Candidates. Herb Jones has a chance to break out. What if these rumors of him handling the ball more and running more offense and becoming more offensively engaged are true? I don't think it's... I don't, why would you put the ball in Herb Jones' hand when CJ or Zion or Ingram can handle it? Why would you? You wouldn't. It's stupid. But what if he becomes a really strong PJ Tucker-like corner three catch and shoot player? What if that defense remains at an all-defense level, which I think it will? What if he starts throwing passes and setting guys up and running some pick and roll? I don't think that there's a real breakout happening for Herb. But I was wrong on him last season, and maybe I'm wrong again. So he is, he's in position after that great season to really step up again if he just takes these big improvements. And there's going to be random players throughout the NBA. I'll probably do a show on this. Like trying to pick who the random player is that goes off. Where logic would dictate that they don't. And Herb's in that position to me where, again, I don't see why you would ever give him the ball offensively ahead of any of those other guys. But maybe you do. Maybe they do. And maybe he just works into that role by being that much better. We'll see. Let's look at some sleepers. Is this sacrilegious? That's not the right word. Is it stupid? Maybe. I think Zion is a bit of a sleeper. Hear me out. 
Zion is or currently has an ADP of 42 on Yahoo and 43 on Fantrax. ESPN, it's a bit different. It's 29. When you look at overall fantasy rank, even on my projections, he comes out 35th. He's got bad free throws. He's quite a negative there. He doesn't hit threes. He's not a good steals and blocks guy. He's sort of average. He's marginally below average. But he's just an absolute field goal percentage monster. He's a big scoring guy who gives you a little bit above average rebounds and assists. And in a head-to-head format, I really want to just focus on the strengths of players. So using minus one rankings, which I talk about quite a bit, which is, I think, a good idea to get overall value of people, he jumps up to be like the 15th best player. 16th best player. Now, you don't need to take him in the second round. You can probably take third or even fourth round in some situations. And in a Roto League, yeah, I think this 42 to 43 ADP is probably about right because it is harder to overcome those those deficiencies. And you do have the injury risk to bake in. But end of the second round, start of the third round, mid-third round for Zion versus mid-fourth round with the ADPs, I think there's real value in that. And in a points league, whoo, that's really... Look, in a points league, he's probably a top 10 player and you can get him at 40. Yes, there is risk, but take him at 20. Take him at 25 in a points league. It's so much value there. Herb Jones, while I just said, I'm not sure if there's that much upside. ESPN's got him ranked at 130. Oh, sorry. His ADP on ESPN is 138. ESPN updated their, their points rankings, by the way. Top 200, they updated it. Didn't put Herb on that list for some reason. Herb does not have an ESPN ranking. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the point of that is, um, but he definitely doesn't have an ESPN ranking. He was let, that's on points rankings. He's um, where was Herb last season in ESPN? 138th in 30 minutes a night. So you know where? where what are we looking at here? Well, actually, my bad. He does have a points ranking. He's 151. My bad. Um, yeah, so he's, I think he's value, his ADP is at 138, Herb. It, it, I think he's better than that. Now, in a points league, I'm not sure, but in a category league, I, I do think he's better than that. Actually, ESPN has just put up their category league rankings as well. Uh, maybe that's what I'm looking at. Herb, Herb Jones, oh, there he is. Yeah, 100 and, he's 151 in category league rankings as well. Something's not adding up. That doesn't make much sense. They're ranking him the same in... Now, that, 151 on ESPN's category uh, rankings doesn't make a ton of sense, does it? Now, maybe I'm... I think I forgot I lost my mind. No, he's not. Sorry. Herb Jones is not listed in the top 200 ESPN points ranks. He is 151 in their category ranks. All right, that's good to know. I, knew, I wasn't losing my mind. Anyway, I think he's a bit of a sleeper at 138 because that's where his ADP is. And even the 151 rank on ESPN makes sense to grab Herb. For deeper leagues and even flyer types, Trey Murphy is unranked on ESPN. He's at 209 on Yahoo. Jose Alvarado's at 276 on Yahoo. Doesn't have ADPs on Fantrax or ESPN. And his value in steals alone probably pushes him into the top 200. I think Alvarado, he's not a good, he's not the guy who's not a good shooter. We'll talk about their good their lack of shooting in, in certain spots. His steals feel a little bit gimmicky at times with the way that he you know, sneaks up and hides. I think teams will start to figure that out. He can, can be a good defender. He's already 24. He's undersized. He can't shoot. 
But I still think there's value in him at 276. That's saying that 20-team leagues don't even need to bother looking at him, which I don't think is true. And that brings us to the question for the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl for Jose Alvarado. Put this in the body of your email that you send to me. Jose Alvarado, over the last 16 games of last season, in 16 games, he got 29 steals. How many steals did he get over the final month, over the final 16 games? 29 steals in 16 games for Jose Alvarado to end the season. I also think, for sleeper-wise, Brandon Ingram, whose ADP is 53 on Yahoo and 54 on Fantrax, in a points league, that's way too low. He's like a fourth-round guy, maybe third-round player in points leagues. That's too low. And Zion in points leagues at 29 on ESPN, and I've already said where he sits on fan. Like, he's 29 ADP Zion for category leagues is about right. Bit iffy, maybe it's too high. But for points leagues, it, it's, there's value in Zion right across the board, understanding that there is injury risk here. In terms of busts, ESPN has CJ McCollum ranked too high. His ranking is 34. His ADP is 40. CJ was 34th in ESPN point scoring last season, but that's, again, without Zion. I don't really see how he's providing that same value in a category league. His free throws are really bad. I think he's a guy you want in round six versus a guy that that ADP would suggest that you're taking in round four, early round four. I don't want anything to do with him there. I think Devontae Graham, is he even going to play? I, I don't even know. But I, I definitely, in general, I don't want to look at late ADPs and say, oh, well, that's a terrible pick. But when you're in a 14-team league or a 16-team league, you know, his ADP at 142 on Yahoo makes no sense. His ADP at 136 on ESPN makes no sense. I don't even think he's going to be a top 200 player. Devontae played 28 minutes a game last season and ranked 176th. I don't think he's playing 28 minutes a night again. That's a foolish number. And then we talked about Herb Jones having some value there on ESPN for category leagues. For points leagues, on Yahoo, his ADP is 101 and Fantrax is at 99. That's too high to be taking him in points leagues. He's, he's not that good in a points league. He's probably more of a 140, 150 guy in a points league. Now, again, ESPN has him unranked in points leagues and at 150 in category leagues, so they're way too low on him in general. But you don't want to be taking him at 100 in a, in a points league draft on Yahoo or Fantrax. It's just it's way too high. He's just not going to be, I don't think, a very good points league option. Let's talk about some flyer picks, guys. You might grab in the last round. I'd really prioritize Murphy in that last round. I think Jose Alvarado, perhaps. Maybe you could say Jackson Hayes, but I don't really think he's going to have the same opportunity that he had last season. But he's a name that could be on that list. But I think Trey Murphy's a really good last round flyer. And yeah, really good last round flyer. Alvarado, less so. Let's look at the roster. Talked about CJ already. He's probably more of a sixth round guy, but he might just start to take more shots. And that impacts Zion and Ingram, and maybe he pushes to 50. I don't think he gets higher than that. The free throws are really weird with CJ last season. I think he can be better than that. But we've seen so many NBA players be good free throw shooters, and then all of a sudden drop off and become bad and never recover. There's a chance of that. Herb Jones, his value is is steals, really. He blocks some shots, but his value is steals. He gets you a lot of steals. But remember how much that can influence someone's overall rank. And don't go too high. Like, if you need steals, he's going to be good for, like, you know, at least 1.5, you would think. Maybe it's two. Maybe it's... But, yeah, you know, that's... 
lose, going from two to one point five is such a small number. It's one fewer still every two games. It's one play out of a game where there's you have fifty possessions either side and 50, 50 possessions, fifty opportunities to get steals every game. So like one steal every two games is like one play out of a hundred, basically, that the, the fortunes get changed. That's why steals is such a volatile category because they're so low volume and it just takes one little thing to change. And yeah, there's your number. So that does overvalue him. Ingram, I think, is like a fourth round player. I'm a little worried about Ingram. Just, he's had some injuries with the hip. He was really strong last season, but still only 47th. The shooting did drop off. He never gets steals or blocks. And he's going to have to cede some usage and some ball handling to Zion and to a full season of CJ McCollum. So I do like him in round five. Start around five, even end of round four. Right on where his ADPs are. And as I said, in points leagues, I go higher. He's like start of round four, end of round three in a points league. But I'm a little worried that that presence of Zion and CJ does hurt Ingram somewhat. Zion's just a beast, really. He could average 30 points per game on a true shooting of 70. I honestly think that's a possibility. He was an absolute steals and blocks monster in college, and that hasn't translated. I don't think it's going to happen in the NBA, but he has shown an ability to do it. He also handled the ball a ton in that end of his second season with Stan Van Gundy. Does Willie Green lean back into that? Because point Zion is impossible to stop almost. He's the best finisher in the NBA. He draws so much gravity on his drives and is a good passer. That's why I think spacing is important. Give him the ball, get out of the way. And if Murphy's sitting out there on his own, it's just so dangerous, such a dangerous weapon. I'd like them to just put the ball in Zion's hands a ton. 30 and 7 with five assists on 65 shooting. I think is legitimately possible. And what if he gets a steal and a block? He might play 50 games, but there's so much upside in Zion. He, we forget how good he is. I don't. Some people do, though. I'm a little worried, much like Ingram, with Jonas Valanciunas. Jonas Valanciunas. Valanciunas was 35th last season. He played 30 minutes a night. He was really good. I was constantly worried. Well, if Zion comes back, he's going to lose value. Zion never came back. He never lost value. The Zion Valanciunas pairing, I'm not sure how it works. But I do think that if you're going to get spacing onto the court, that Valanciunas is a key guy who will lose out. They will go smaller at times. There'll be times where Larry Nance is a better option because of his defensive ability. I just don't see Valanciunas, age 30, playing 30 minutes a night. He's a very good rebounder. He's solid in the mid-rounds. He's getting drafted at 50 on Yahoo, 54 on fan tracks. 67 on ESPN, which actually provides a bit of value. But he was third round last season, and I don't really see that being realistic. But luckily, the ADP reflects that. Luckily, that ADP reflects. I think on, in Yahoo points leagues, he's probably going a bit high at 50. I think he's more of a seven, round six in the 70s sort of a player. But I'm a little bit worried about that fit. Again, we don't know how it works. We've talked about Trey Murphy. Larry Nance, one of the most forgotten players to me. Always forget that he's on this team. He, he played a little bit down the stretch, but there is Hernan Gomez, there is Hayes. They're all backup centers. That's another reason why Hayes I'm a little bit skeptical of. Can Nance play with Zion? I'm not sure about that. Nance has had a lot of knee issues. He's turning 30. His shooting's not there. He has been a good passer, but they don't really need that skill from him. I think he's still going to be like a 21, 22-minute-a-night guy who probably isn't going to be a fantasy option, but might have some stretches of relevance. Alvarado, we spoke about. And then Jackson Hayes, who did play as a starting power forward last season, 
Had some moments. In the overall scheme of the season, though, he ranked outside the top 200 and played 20 minutes. And that opening that he had at starting power forward is gone. He's not the starting power forward anymore. And in fact, he might actually be in a situation where he's battling Larry Nance for backup minutes. I think he's a guy that if we saw him start, much like Jalen Smith in Indiana, on that sort of team, he would be a really interesting fantasy option. But in terms of driving winning or being a part of a winning team, I don't think he really provides that. Devontae Graham, like, will he actually play? His shooting can be valuable from three. He can't hit anything else. He sucks defensively. I think he's just going to be like a three-point streamer in deeper formats. Dyson Daniels, again, with Alvarado, Jones, McCullum, Graham. Is Daniels even going to play? He's like a wing-sized player. He can be... Look, if they want to get real defensive, him and Herb out there, it's really good defensive pairing. I don't think Daniels is going to be much of a fantasy impact. I guess you could take a flyer in the last round. I probably wouldn't. There's Bill Hernan Gomez, EuroLeague MVP. Third, fourth string center maybe on this squad. We know he's a points and rebounds guy who struggles in every other aspect. Defensively, he's a real liability. Um, I don't really see much for him. Najee Marshall, had a little flash a couple of years ago, but he's a long way down the rotation. And there's Kyra Lewis, a guy who I really, really liked in the draft. He's still super young. He's recovering from an ACL injury that's probably going to cost him the first month or two of the season. He's only 21. But it's going to need Graham out of the rotation, Daniels not being ready, attacking ahead of Alvarado. I think Lewis is a guy that probably needs a change of scenery to have fantasy relevance. I'm losing hope. The lost ACL season last year is not good for his development. He really struggled with his shooting, hasn't come around at all. So I'm a little bit concerned about Lewis. I'm not fully giving up on him, but I'm not looking, it's not looking great. Garrett Temple, can't believe he's still on this roster. Yeah, he played too much last season. He's 36, shouldn't play at all. And then there's Darian Sebron, a two-way guy, and Isaiah Brockington, who tore his ACL. They did sign him to a two-way. Maybe he comes back this season, but he's not going to have an impact. And they also, they also drafted EJ Liddell, who tore his ACL. Interesting that they had EJ Liddell tore his ACL, and they didn't give him a two-way. But they went out and signed Isaiah Brockington, who's recovering from a torn ACL, which I think he tore in like June. He definitely tore it in the pre-draft process. So that was weird. Anyway, I don't think we're seeing much out of Isaiah Brockington, unfortunately, for the Brockington stands out there. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app here on YouTube. Thumb it up. Leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.